Welcome to another episode of the RAG podcast. And for those of you who don't know, the RAG stands for Recruitment Agency Growth. Since early 2019, I've been interviewing the most successful and innovative recruitment owners to learn how they rose to the top of their game. In season seven, I'm going to be having raw, authentic and insightful conversations with agency owners, entrepreneurs, leaders, people across the industry. And I want to be learning about their ambitions, what's happening behind the scenes in their agencies today and their plans to navigate difficult market conditions. I'll be bringing you the latest and greatest recruitment stories every single week on Wednesdays at noon across multiple platforms. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the RAG podcast on this week's show. I am so excited to be joined again by two guys who joined me 12 months ago in August 2022. This is Ben Wallen and Dan Cox, the founders of previously Edison Search, now known as Edison Smart. When I interviewed these guys in 2022, we talked about how in just over a year, they'd build 1.7 million in revenue and they'd got to just under 20 staff and they were on this absolute mission called Project 2024. So what I wanted to do was bring them back on a year later and just, just talk about what they've actually achieved. Now in just over two years, so just I think it's 24, 25 months worth of operating time they've got to 31 employees they've opened up an entity in the us they've got boots on the ground in dubai and they're absolutely flying from basingstoke recruiting international they specialize in smart technology which is super niche and they work a very specific way which is working for them but what we got in this episode was that these two guys ben and dan are so well thought out so methodical in their approach that in just over two years, not only have they grown to 31, but they've done it by building an infrastructure around them of a core leadership team, an operational team, a marketing, L&D. And the business is grown, has grown 40% in 2023, but is no longer heavily reliant on their billing. So the first six to 12 months was all them. They then brought people in without experience, got them trained up. And in the last 12 months, they've gobbled up recruit over 13 recruiters with experience when everyone else is letting people go, which has enabled them now to build a super rock solid agency that doesn't rely on them to contribute much of the billings at all. Now, I get asked all the time, how do I become more operational? How do I look work on the business, not in the business? This episode tells you how to do it and gives you a roadmap to follow. So I hope you are listening and taking notes. Without further ado, Ben, Dan, welcome back for the second time to the RAG podcast. Thanks, Sean. Good to be back. Yeah, good. Like, Can't believe it's like, been a year. Feels like a year. All, there's nothing changed apart from I've just grown a top knot and that's it. <laughs> I, put, I started pulling my hair up last week on holiday and uh, I, didn't know it, I didn't know it was long enough, but in the heat in Turkey, I was just like trying and I got it up and now I'm like, oh, I quite like it. Stephen <laughs> yeah. Cigar. Do you remember Stephen Cigar movies? That's I couldn't do that. I would scare the staff. If I tried to put my hair back slick, it, there'd be nothing there. <laughs> I know his first question to me this morning was, how do I keep the hairline? I was like, honestly. <laughs> I need to go to Turkey. That's it. I yeah. need to go to Turkey. Yeah, you do, yeah. I, didn't, yeah. I didn't use Turkey. Why are you really that, Sean? You what, mate? <laughs> Is that why you're really in Turkey? No, uh, you can, do you know what you can't you can't get your your hair this long overnight in Turkey. My brother had it done in the UK, <laughs> had the front of his hair done, and it looks it's about a year later. It looks really good, really good. I really um, love it. But I'm lucky. I got the grey jeans, but not the balding jeans. I don't think I've got no sign of it just yet. Very, very lucky, good man. But guys, we had an amazing episode. It was bang on a year ago, right towards the end of the summer last year, 2022. At the time, I think you were about 14, 15 months old. 
Um, we talked about your growth in that first period was pretty impressive, right? Some of the headlines we mentioned, you know, you grew from with an expectation of 200K billings in year one to 1.7 million invoice. You'd, you had just under 20, I think it was 18 people at the time. Um, you'd grown this headquarters in Basingstoke with this US offering that was starting to, you know, really take some, a lot of track, gather a lot of momentum and traction. And, and, you know, it was one of the best episodes I've recorded. One of the ones that people reference when we speak to them. So um, what we want to do today is, is, is find out what's happened in the last 12 months, year two. Now, before we do, for anyone who didn't listen, just give us the overview of the you, the company, the name, what you do, the, the high-level bird's eye stuff, and then we'll go into the story. Sure, yeah. So, um, well, when we spoke a year ago, we were Edison Search. We've That's since true. had a rebrand, and now we're Edison Smart, which we can talk about perhaps a bit later. Um, but, yeah, we started in June 21, Dan and I. We worked together for a long time previously, um, and we're down in Basingstoke in Hampshire, and yeah, as you rightly say, you know, it was just Dan and I um, kind of just coming to the end of COVID. And um, we, we, we launched Edison, very much focusing upon the Internet of Things, kind of IoT tech space, largely into uh, North America, where some of a lot of our previous experience had been. Um, and yeah, things um, went probably better than expected, is probably fair to say. And as you rightly say, we had a pretty modest budget and managed to go beyond that within the first 12 months. And skip on now so we're two years old and two months um yeah. and we are still in Basingstoke. uh we've now got some other um premises which we can talk about and yeah we're up to 31 people as of today um so yeah it's been a really interesting two years and you know the last 12 months obviously has been for everybody a difficult place to to navigate and i think there's you know we can talk about some of the challenges uh, yeah. there's been some really great highlights too uh, but yeah, you know, it's gone quick, but yeah, we feel as if we're pretty happy of what's, you know, what's happened over the last 24 months. And in terms of your roles, so how would you uh, remind us, how, what, how do you split what you guys each do? Maybe this question goes to Dan. So, yeah, I think, um, Ben's definitely more like COO, right? Like yeah. the, 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 the driving force around like the day-to-day -day operationally, um, working with the finance team. Um, he's brilliant at the stuff that I'm not right. Which is, which is <laughs> awesome. It's the best way to put it. And, um, as mentioned before, I'm, I'm very focused on like the customer base, right? That's what, what I enjoy and, um, focus on like new markets, emerging markets, um, and I think we complement complement each other really well in that basis. So I think if you position it, CEO, COO, we both we both are still very much involved in the day to day. But we both we both work and know what our strengths are, which I think is brilliant because there's never rarely a time when we're like doubling up on emails because we know that right Ben's got that or Dan's got that, and um, and I think that's like really important to 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 the team that they know who to come for for what. And I think we, we actually had to, when we first started, we, we sat down really early on and um, we had an honest conversation and talked about our strengths and, and our weaknesses and both like spoke about it. And I think that really helped around setting the president as, as we grew the business. So, yeah. Yeah, we did. Me and Amar did similar. I think what's funny with me and Amar is, while he's probably more like Ben than me, I'm definitely more in the sales side. He's, he's not operationally probably wired enough that he 
and he'd be honest, he, he doesn't enjoy it enough. So we've now got a third person who isn't a founder, but she's a director in the business who does a lot of our the stuff that the real operational process of delivery and stuff like that. And he's now moved more into sales and I'm more into brand and marketing. And it, so that's evolved since we spoken a year ago, like our, our founder relationship. And I, the reason I'm saying that is I think it, it will continually evolve. It'll continually mm, change. Definitely. Every year the business definitely. looks different. Every year you guys are, 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 are going to be different. Um, but what, all right. So if we go back to a year ago, some of the headlines that I, I made some notes based on uh, the, the previous episode, right? I just want to start with some of the headlines. And then I, what I'd like to do is a chronological journey of where we, we are to, from then to today. So just really high level. You just signed a new HQ. I think Ben dropped it on Dan in the podcast. He's like, just, you know, <laughs> just signed a new HQ. Um, you talked about um, just having your first ever sales conference, which the team were really excited about. And that was all connected to a project 24, where by the end of 2024, you had you have an org chart and a, a direction, which yep. was at the time just over two years. And now it's just over one year away. Um, mm -hmm. You said you wanted to double that headcount, um, you know, mid thirties. You said you wanted to um, have boots on the ground and, and actually have a US entity. And you said you wanted to grow a contract proposition. It was very perm heavy at the time. So, um, yeah. Why don't we let's not answer it all in one go? Let's go through the journey and we can we can thread it through. So interestingly enough, I think we probably all agree that the time we had this show was probably at the time where the market was about to turn. Would you would you agree on that? Like it was like 100%. that mid mid-year 2022 was still the end of that boom, and then it kind of just quickly started to dip. Yeah. So what was it like going into Q in Q3 going into Q4 last year? I think um the first part is like we we'd already set out the strategy for the next like project 24 so we had a clear vision of like where we wanted this business to be did we have a vision and strategy around that we knew that the tech market was going to uh hit rock bottom for a bit no right but i think we had a clear plan and we knew exactly what we wanted to achieve by a time scale and that is sort of where we were very tunnel vision like we, we knew there was a lot of noise were we seeing it at that time? No, we were very fortunate that, you know, in our market, in, in the niche niche that we do focus on, there was still heavy demand. Um, and also to the date, you know, we talk about where we're at today, we're still 40 odd percent up on last year. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, we're really proud of that. And like, we are able to push that, but we knew the, the, the 12 months just gone was going to be painful because the first year, year and a half, the first six months was me and Ben in an office trying to get some money in, right? You know, that's what it's all about. And then the ne and then the first year, it's can we get people in? Can we get them up and running um, organically? Um, the, the second phase of that was then can we supplement the business with um, outside senior consultants that can then take this business to the next level? And also in that period of time, the business not be reliant on mine and Ben's billets, right? Yeah. That is like absolutely key because everyone and you know we talk and Ben can talk about like the board and and the board membership that we're we're, we're with now um, and our board member is that your top billers cannot be your your owners, the business, right? Because it's it, you know if you want to scale it because it just doesn't you know otherwise it's just that you know it's, it's a lifestyle and that's fine for certain people. But we had a, a game plan from very early on that to grow and scale this business we had to get to that point and it's not been easy right ben it's been it's been tough and like there's been countless sleepless nights where 
we're like jesus do we shit like is this gonna is this gonna work are we gonna be able to get it to 30 heads are we gonna be able to get contract off the ground um are we gonna get in bring seniors in that can complement and also take our billings to the next level well now it's really nice to say at that point yes but the last 12 months it, that's been easy and also navigating through a crazy tech like market that was just like layoffs left and right I think the fact you've thought about that and are taking action in year two is pretty incredible, guys. Just to just to lay that back on you, because most most people I know, most businesses I've worked with, they don't even get around to that whole vision of coming off the tools and building top pillars around them until year four or five at the earliest. You know, yeah. often it's yeah. ten years down the line, and people are like, "Fuck, I'm, I've got no wealth creation here," and then they suddenly start to try and do it, and it's really, really, really difficult. So I think the fact you've come in with that mindset from day one and you've, you're have hitting these roadblocks in year two is testament to the way you think and the business you're building. Ben, I, I think, Sean, I just going to add one point that Dan mentioned there about us working in a niche market is um, that's really what's kind of got us through, I think, the last kind of 12 months is that, mm, you know, maybe other people might panic a bit, become a bit more generalist, you know, just work anything that they can. Fortunately, our tech expertise the market's been all right it's been, it's not been kind of recession proof or you know whatever you want to call it there's we've definitely lost you know, there's been some big accounts which have turned the tap off for a while yeah. but i think because of how old we are we've had to be very new business driven and the people yeah. that have come in have had to you know be that way and and, and just hunt every day so that actually almost by accident has gotten us through pretty well the last 12 months because we know a lot of other ex-colleagues, friends in other agencies who they weren't doing new business for, you know, a year or two. It was all no. inbound and just, you know, loving life and almost as if that was the norm. And then suddenly mm -hmm. when that dries up and they've got to get their guys to do BD again, it's like, shit, yeah, you know, yeah. we need to get an external trainer in or we you know whatever it might take to get these guys you know back doing but fortunately because of when we started we we were in that kind of world anyway yeah. um and the guys here i think most people if, if you took a straw poll and spoke to some of our employees they would say we're a pretty new business focused organization um everybody everybody here um you couple that with the niche that we're in and and obviously becoming more and more uh, known in that area uh that that's been whatever you want to call it strategy luck probably a combination of both um but that but i think dan was right to bring that bit up no it makes sense what um what signs like what were the actual reality of the dip for you so you know you i'm sure you're tracking you know job flow cvs out all the rest of it like your key metrics yeah can you be candid with us like the reality of the change like what did you see so, so every every month we um we sit down with our leadership team and we'll talk to you about maybe the evolution of like our middle management team now and like where we're at with that as, at some point. And, but we, we track like ratios, objectives. We're really big on that. Like really important that like that, that is positive. It should be shown in a way of like improvement. How can we improve? And what we noticed, I think the, probably the first three months sign was, well, we were putting a lot more into it and not let, getting a lot out. So you think about like the amount of subs and interviews and the jobs we were picking up they've been actually really consistent like last month we had a record for like interviews submissions vacancies like in in july which is notoriously like the worst month in recruitment maybe yeah. outside of december but what we were seeing as the trend was that we had to do more to get similar 
deal amounts every month so like the company target so um that was definitely one that we tracked and we started to see that we just had to work that a little bit harder the ratios got a bit the ratios and but yeah we we always stick to and we're always obsessed with that as sub to interview ratio being less or as two to one like we're just obsessed with that as a company we talk about it every month with the guys in our monthly presentations it's a really really important stat and then secondary to that is looking at how much is actually converted at the bottom line after all of that and then working backwards and then the individual individuals have minimum ratios that they know that they have to do to do a deal every month and once they know that we can start looking at is that improving is that decreasing so that was the first tenant sign and then the second tenant sign like ben mentioned earlier is some of our bigger accounts just 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 went on hold you know like processes were elongated went from like two interview pro stages to four interview stages or five sometimes which for us, we were just educating them saying, well, you're still losing out. Um, so they were the sort of the two key signs. Ben, I don't know if I've missed anything there that you wanted to add. Yeah, I, mean, I think Dan's right that we, we, we almost had to work harder to stay where we were. And so therefore to go forward, we had to go even more um, in terms of just the output of, um, you know, CV submissions and, and, you know, interviews and so forth. But um, I think I feel as if we managed to do that. Well, we did manage to do that because we're up on revenue from this time last year. Um, I think the biggest thing which everybody would have seen is some of the processes got crazy. It's like hiring managers just don't want to make a decision. They don't want the kind of the buck to stop with them. They'll be like, yeah, I'll interview somebody, but it's not on me. I'll pass it to the next person and they can make the decision. And we've had a couple of crazy interview processes that got to like seven or eight or even nine interviews and they still kind of can't make a decision. And it's just because there's more focus on them, you know, agency spend, and as Dan says, we've we've lost a couple of big our biggest customer last year. We'd no longer trade with. Um, relationships great. It's just that you know they're 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 cutting back on costs, and you know, that's obviously been a trend. But we've had to kind of just duck and weave a little bit. Um, and there's been a few other developments in the company which we can talk about, um, albeit on the you know perhaps the contract side and um, I, diversing a little bit our kind of geographic focus. We just had to tap into that a bit more to uh be a bit more um yeah kind of alleviate some of that risk i think j- just on that as well just to finish that we are really sean like we we are very much still working with customers like yes we absolutely want to get ourselves away from doing the day-to-day every day but also the business is still in its like infancy so yeah. we can't just step away you know we're not these guys on the golf course every day right we're in the office every day so we know that how tough it has been we we're in it with the team and we can i suppose we can you know we can talk to them about we know how hard it is but this is what we're doing and this is what we're getting success from have you tried this there's nothing worse than going into a meeting with and we've all been there right sean probably your days is that you go into a mid mid management meeting and they're talking to you about kpis but not really giving you any value or yeah. getting on a level and saying have you tried this this is what works yeah. and i think that's so important that you need to be in the trenches with your team especially it's great when it's good and you can sit there and work at these spreadsheets and look at your, your profit at bottom line and, and everything but when times get tough they want to see you in the office they want to see you in give the us trenches. an example of that give me an um, example of a time where someone's at a management level perhaps been struggling or senior level and you've what you did to to help them and out and the outcome yeah i think um you know what one of the the individuals in the business you know he's top performer now but um he was actually one of our top billers last year um started this year like 
his, his business just dropped off a cliff. So he was very focused on West Coast business, like very focused on um, a particular niche. And it was fo fully focused on like the VCs uh, business yeah, units within that tech space. Silicon and it just bank. like cut off. And this guy last year in his first year done like 300 odd K, like literally like killed it, absolutely killed it. Um, and went through a tough time, like, you know, personally things going on. And it could have been very easy for us to say, well, what are you doing? Like, you know, this is just input. But actually, when you got into the detail um, and we got on the phone to his clients, he was doing everything right. And he's got incredible relationships. And what's turned around now is just kept with it. And we've just we've actually just tweaked his strategy. We, we do strategy sessions every month with every sales individual um, in the business to just keep looking at their business, keep making sure they're in the right space, they're, they're hot on their toes with customers. And we tweaked his strategy slightly and just put him in a slightly different direction while his current market was quiet and he wasn't getting the, the activity he was last year. He's now built a slightly different market. And then guess what? All these other customers now have come yeah, back right. and he's had his best four months ever. And me, my, me and Ben are really big believers that like, you have to give people time if they're showing all the right traits. And he was, he's been a brilliant individual for us all the way through. But secondary to that as well is that we knew that because we were on the phone to his customers, he's doing all the right things. We knew that there was just a time period and we knew that if we could tweak it slightly him build something else, his other customers are going to come back. And now he's, how did you know what direction for him to go in that might we look we looked at the data so we looked at like where his placements were done we looked at the customers that he worked at and we looked at the strategy that we want to get to and we just looked at that and we just made a few tweaks in his in his market um and it was literally we told him to get back on the phone to c level vp level and talk about where the evolution of that market's going to go to um and his cust one of his customers actually said have you have you thought about this area we opened it up and then he's gone on today and he's now top of the leaderboard again, you know, literally like, so you talk about that time, you could be top biller last year, but then you go for a really tough period. You stick that, with it and go from there. And that as well, like the confidence, especially when you're new in your career, you have a great year, but then you have that lull, your confidence could be shot and it's your job to make sure you build him back up rather than beat him down. And I've 100%. seen it before. I've seen it before when people have had a tough time and it's not been the best it, best way of managing i've had it myself i was the way i was dealt with once was just horrific and i was like <laughs> i wanted to quit there and then but i was like, i'm not quitting in a, in a in a lull i'm gonna get out of this prove myself and then i'll go and that's exactly what i did but you, um you're never perfect though right i think everyone no. everyone you know you'll make mistakes as a leader you always look back and think i could have handled that differently but um but i think it's a testament to also the business because where our top biller last year was having a shocker for the first four or five months of the year but then we're still at the percentage that we are year to day it just shows a testament of like the staff nothing to do with me and ben but the staff where they've put their arm around him said no we've got this push on and also be up from last year as well so i think it's it's you know that's a that was a big challenge for us the first part of the year when it comes to your headcount growth then so to go from 18 to 31 it's not quite where you said but it ain't far off in a difficult market it's a pretty impressive growth strategy Talk us yeah. through how you've done it. Like, what have you, what exactly have you done? Yeah, so um, I think we mentioned in the last conversation that we had a, um, our own internal recruitment manager here, Jade, and um, she's continued to do a really good job for us. And I think everybody we've hired, um, apart from our L&D manager, has come through Jade. So we've only, I think we've only spent one Rectorec fee in the last 12 months. Right. Um, we We had a bit of a tweak because 
part of the original strategy was to always have an intake of entry-level staff, whether it be graduates or kind of out of college. And we did do that. Um, but what we started to see is that obviously a lot of recruiters were coming onto the market, whether they'd been laid off or whether or not they were just unhappy with the progression of their previous company or something had happened like the commission had changed or something like that. Yeah. And we began to realize that actually we can probably bring people on who have got six to 12 months experience and therefore be a couple of steps ahead of where an entry level person would be. So um, we made that tweak. and We brought some people on that were a bit further ahead kind of down the road. The other thing that we did is that we had to, as we were scaling, we had to start putting in a middle management structure and, and, and actually appointing team leaders. Um, so we've got four divisions here, five divisions here, and we, you know, it's just getting too much for Dan and I, obviously, to manage each one. So yeah. we've got some good guys here, um, some of them with some really healthy experience, and then we needed to populate their teams and show the trust and the investment there. And obviously, what is the data telling us? So to give you an example, we had one of our teams as a connectivity team, and they, 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 they've been our highest performing team. But there was a particular area, um, tech area, smart buildings, kind of smart cities, um, that were really excelling. And we thought, well, we can spin this out to create its own team. And so we've done that, and we needed to appoint a team leader. And they were a bit light in one or two areas, so we need to hire in for that. Now, the good thing is with Project 24, we always know Project 24 has to be a bit fluid, you know, can't just sit neatly in a box, but largely it would show us where we needed to plot people. And we've tried to kind of stick to that as much as possible. We still talk about Project 24 all the time. It's up on the screens. We talk about it in our monthly meetings and so forth. So it's still very obvious to the guys. Um, and j just being a bit more savvy, I think, you know, we haven't had to make um, too many kind of punts with, with hires. I think we've been really selective of who we brought on board. Um, it's a funny market, right? I mean, you've either got some agency recruiters that had a really good time in the last year, but have completely bombed, and it's okay. Can is there still something there that we can work with? Is it, you know, the bottom 10, 20% have been cut, and are they going to be good enough for us? Well, no, is the truth. Um, so there's been a real kind of variance of, of yeah. individuals that we've put pads in front of us. Um, but I think we've managed to hire some really good ones. How many I think people have you had to hire to grow by like that net of 13? How many people have you had to bring in? Has it been this year, Ben? 12, 13, is it? Yeah, so we've, so, I mean, I suppose in tandem of this, for the first time, I think last time we spoke to you, Sean, we'd only ever lost one person. Um, we've now, our attrition is we've lost four. And I should yeah. add that, that it's been our decision, uh, yeah. candidly. Um, and it was the right thing to do. Um, so, you know, that's, Obviously, Dan and I in previous lives have, you know, dealt with people you know, coming in and going out. But this is the first time for us, obviously, having to let you know, people go or performance or whatever it might be. It's yeah, a bit it's new. Nice. It's, ne it's, it's never nice. But I think what we've managed to do is every time somebody's gone, we've managed to uplift with the next person. Um, so, yeah, net, I think we're up, yeah, about 12 or 13. But um, overall, we probably had to hire, yeah, maybe 16, 15, yeah. 16. Are you spending hours on LinkedIn and cold outreach and want more business coming to you over your competition? Well, if you're the founder or leader of a recruitment agency, here's what we can do for you. At Hoxo, we'll give you the training, support and resources to take you from what I call an offline recruiter, reliant on posting jobs and sending in mails to open up new customers, ultimately looking like every other recruiter on LinkedIn, to being an online recruiter, being seen by over 25,000 relevant people, driving a 200% minimum increase in engagement on your profile and seeing daily lead lists from LinkedIn that you can follow up with in six weeks time. 
And if you don't perform, you don't pay. Now, why can we make such a bold, results-driven promise like this? Well, it's simple. There's two reasons. Firstly, whilst I've been building the RAG podcast, we've actually done what we say we'll do for our clients. In less than two years, we actually built a business generating from zero to over 1 million views per month on LinkedIn, leading to multi-million pound revenues with a sales team of me plus two people without making a single outbound cold call. Second is our track record. Not only have we done it ourselves, but we've helped over 350 agencies and over 4,000 consultants do it as well, all in the last three years. Now, if that sounds of interest to you, click the link associated to this episode and we can book a call and tell you how we can help. Right, let's get back to the show. It is. When you think about that, Sean, as well, like if we go back to what Ben said, our connectivity team was our biggest revenue earner last year. And everyone, most people be like, leave it. It's working. It's good. But we saw a gap in that market and we hired a couple of individuals that like were slightly more tangent to this niche. So we ended up breaking it, breaking up the team and going again. So we real beat that, rebuilt that, and we've got a new division out of it. And that new division now <laughs> is on par with the connectivity team. So now we've got wow. sort of two monsters there, which is, again, you think about the strategy and the ideas. Uh, you know, the biggest thing that me and Ben have probably learned over the last two years is you, you just got to be a little bit brave. And sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. it might not make sense to anyone else. Like anyone else would be like, that's crazy. Leave it. It's working. But it made sense to us and it made sense to yeah. the strategy. So um, and that for us, we had sleepless nights of that thinking, is this going to work? <laughs> like, this is crazy. Yeah. Like, But we're now starting to really see, you know, uh, the, the team in that smart building team really come into its own. Um, and we're really pleased that we made that that challenging decision in a challenging market. Yeah, makes sense. In terms of that. You made a really good point. You know, the, the the people coming out of other organizations with six to 12 months or even a bit more, they come with different baggage, right? And this yeah. classic, you know, the classic analogy of bad habits comes into play. You know, yeah. a lot of people, most people who say they go all down the grad model is because they don't want any bad habits. You know, I interviewed yeah. um, Ed Steele who talks about no one will ever come in with recruitment experience in his business. And there's different people like DSP only hires trainees and what have you. Um, what is the reality? What, how have you seen the reality of bringing people in with six to 12 months? Have you seen some of those habits? And how have you got people? Like, exactly. If someone has been sat on a fat desk, taps get turned off, get let go, and then you're bringing them in, they've never had to do BD. They have their, their habits are to sit there and fill jobs, right? So how have you managed to overcome that? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's Question. been a few. I mean, I don't think there's been any, any major kind of issues. I, I think that We've hired a couple of people who have come from pretty old school environments, you know, standing up, hitting the phone, call hours, you know, everything is monitored daily. And when we're not really that kind of place. So I think straight away they come in and, and appreciate it perhaps a bit more of a grown up kind of autonomous sure. environment, which which they've probably craved. Um, but then again, some of that kind of old schoolness that they've bought where their, their nature is to kind of hit the phone a bit. We're not going to knock that because great you know let's create some noise and you know if that's what you want to do then we're not going to stop that but we are going to show you a few other ways of perhaps generating leads or you know whatever it meeting whatever it might be um it's been you know a couple of bits and pieces but nothing major i mean i think we're pretty good at kind of screening that stuff out um and, and as you say it's there hasn't been that many agencies hiring over the last 12 months and so in some, way, in some ways we we managed to cherry pick a little bit you know some of the good people that have come onto the market 
Um, there's well, in Basingstoke, been... surely you don't have that much option. Like you're not sat in the middle of London. Well, yeah, so... yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly, and it's not like London stakes, but um, you know, Basingstoke has its pros and cons. But you know, as you and I were saying just before we went on on air, um, Sean, that you know, actually, there's you know, a handful of pretty big towns and cities that are commutable from Basingstoke that we that we can tap into. So that's kind of proved proved all right. But you no, know, we've also interviewed some great people who've rejected us. You know, it's not all been you know, roses. I mean, there's been a, two or three in particular we really wanted to bring on board, but they felt because of the market, they should just stay where they are for the time being. It's safe. And I get it. I get it. You know, and hopefully skip on six, 12 months, we can re-engage with them. Um, Culturally, I think across the business, Sean, is like we've taken people that are willing to take a risk, like the common, the common frame. And I don't mean joining us as a risk, right? Hopefully touch wood. We're in a Joining us 18 months ago was crazy, right? But, but now we're a bit more established. We, we, we've sort of, we've got a benchmark of what we want to do, but they all were changing markets or they were changing like the area and location that they needed to focus on. So a lot of them were either specifically focused on UK centric markets or yeah. different areas. So a lot of them have completely, that smart buildings team come from a different industry, fairly relatable, but different industry, but taking that risk. And now when people do interview, they can that we can say to them well, what's your biggest concern well my biggest concern is well i don't know that market how do i how can i get up and running quickly i've got an established desk and we say well this is the blueprint look at look at 80 percent of our staff have come from from different industries um and i'm not saying it's right or wrong but that's that's been how able many to of the, how many of the people you've hired since we last spoke then have come in with a bit of experience most my, yeah, probably seventy percent, maybe. Yeah, 65 percent. And you would you agree? Would you testament that that has been a strong decision, and it's enabled you to have less? Yeah. You know, you've not had to put as much time into the basics, and more of the you were just refining, Mark, rather than dragging. Yeah, off the yeah. yeah, for sure. You know, and I, I don't know whether or not we'll have this opportunity. You just don't know what the market's yeah. going to do. And in fact, um, you know, we brought on a, uh, a non-exec director, uh, Paul Beak. Um, yeah uh since we've last spoken and you know he's given some obviously some really good advice and you know one of them was uh if you're in a position where you can go and invest and you can what well, part of our plan this year was to um recruit fairly heavily if we could in the first six months and you know next year it's going to really help us kind of kick on so we have front loaded basically um and there's definitely four or five people out there i don't know if we would have got them in a buoyant market and um, so I think we have managed to capitalize. I think we, in a way, I, I wish we'd maybe capitalized a bit more. We've tried, as I said, a few people haven't gone with us, but I'm really hoping that Q4, Q1 next year will really see the return of those investments. Well, it will. The, again, it all goes back to what we spoke about last year. You guys build like lunatics for a period, banked it and invested yeah. it and you've invested yeah. it smart you've had a plan it's it's incredible guys because a lot of people are driving around in porsche carreras in a year doing what you did and fucking flying around the world everywhere and you know thinking wow like i didn't earn this in my previous job we'll build mm. the team later but we're gonna enjoy this for a bit whereas you guys you know i think you're so methodical and so so well planned um so let's go into the us stuff then so the plan was you know this year in the next 12 months, we'll, we'll, we'll have a US business. We'll have it. We'll have it. So talk, talk us through your geographical expansion because you've also opened up in Dubai. Well, so they, can't, just been about the US. they kind of go hand in hand, Sean, because, yeah, the, the plan was because about 80% of our business was the US, it just made sense, obviously, to put you know boots on the ground there. Um, then what happened is 
we began to diversify a little bit geographically that some of the people we hired had relationships and opportunities to do some good business in the UK and Europe. And we're doing a bit in Europe anyway. And we we're quite happy for that because it just brought down our reliance on the US, even though it is still far and away the best business for us when it comes to you know fees and, and deal value and so forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we've probably now come down to about 60% in right. the US and got a bit more of a spread from the UK and Europe. And I think that's-, that's In that's difficult good... economic times, that's sensible, isn't it? Like in the US yeah, I think, that's a good, I think it's a good thing. And, and that that's, yeah, we're happy with that. But then what happened was um, we, a guy that Dan knows, you went to university with, who's been in recruitment for a long time, a guy called Ross Porter, who's been out in Dubai for, for five years or so. Um, he got in touch with us and he was wondering, he, you know, he knew the journey and obviously he knows Dan and, you know, wanted to talk to us about whether or not there'd be an opportunity for him. Now, so that slightly, <laughs> look, when something, he's, he's a great guy, mountains of experience, really good new business, 360 consultant, and it just fell into our laps. You know, he came over to London. We had some good meetings. We put in front of um, our non-exec and it was just a no brainer. So we slightly parked the US office uh, plan and deviated and went with Dubai plan. So did he so, already have uh, a similar market in Dubai or is he another one who's changing completely? Some cloud, certainly on the tech side, it'd be a bit more on kind of cloud, but it's right. certainly kind of relatable. So yeah, he's, he's upskilling himself, certainly. Yeah. Um, and we had begun to do a little bit more in Asia Pacific, not so much kind of Middle East, but we thought, well, actually, Dubai could be, it's closer than the UK yeah, to yeah, yeah. Asia Pac. He could be our kind of, you know, stepping stone there. Um, and so that's basically what's happened. And he's, he's only been with us for a month or two and a month, and he's uh, hit the ground running. He's over here next week, actually. And it's just one of those, Sean, where it's like, brilliant, this is a no brainer. We're beginning to do more work in places like Singapore. Um, they're following our customers, basically done a great job with them in America. And they say, Hey, can you fill this role? And you know how it goes and you develop yeah. those, those accounts. So it was a bit of a no brainer. So we've been focusing on that and we've got a couple of guys here in the UK office that have already put their hands up and want to relocate out to Dubai. And you know, they're very valued members of staff. They've absolutely earned the right. So we're going to make that happen around about Christmas time. Um, so that will shore things up what, a little bit there. What? Um, what was it like opening a Dubai entity? I know a lot of people out there. I, I, I'm there every year, pretty much. I love it's like my second home, Dubai. If I'm going away in the winter, anyway. Um, yeah. And if it wasn't, I've said it. I've said it. If it wasn't for the fact I've got two stepkids whose dad is in the city I live, we'd be living there. Hoxo Dubai would exist. I would be there without. Ben, that. Ben definitely couldn't live out there. A factor fifty and, and all that. So, but it, it was it, you know last week. <laughs> but just on that, on short, like. It, it takes time, right? It's yeah. like everything, it's but like it's the investment. The free zone and the visa. Yeah, we through all of that. And, and that's yeah. a learning curve for us. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, fortunately, we had some good introductions to kind of, you know, third parties that can help you with all the setup and stuff. And so it's been a learning curve, but great, because now we know it. Don't you have to um, buy like a certain amount of visas up front? Like you'd have to get like four or five just so that you can hire and stuff. You need to plan and, and have them in certain regions and things. It's, yeah, so yeah, you they, both allocated a, 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 a space, you know, depending what your profession is then you get allocated into a particular kind of area of the city. So, you know, if you're a, if you're a uh, work in shipping or logistics, you then you want an office, you're going to be put into, you know, down oh. by like the marina, the harbour area, you know, as a, as a recruitment or professional services company, you're not going to get an office there. If you, even if you want one, you know, crazy things like that, that you kind of pick up along the way. 
Um, so yeah, the learning curve. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, but we're really happy, and it was just an obvious one to make. Did you um, have to sponsor Ross to stay there? Was he because that's an yeah. issue, isn't it? If he loses his pre, leaving yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to go through all that. That was a bit um, that was like to, to the wire, but we managed to get that. And um, but again, like talk about the risk there. Ross has got a little baby girl. He's got a wife that's on maternity at the yeah. moment. Like he's got a mortgage in Dubai. Like again, it's that common. Everyone's back. It's that that in that risks yeah. factor. Um, but again, like Ben mentioned earlier, it's like we are a, after two years, we are a truly global business. There's lots of companies on there that talk about, well, we're a global company, but we're covering West Coast to Japan. Right. Yeah. Basically. So, um, yeah. Same as I mean, sometimes I look at Hoxha, we've got like working with 5000 consultants across the world. And it literally is every continent. And it's mental when you see the global map of all the people logging in. Even yes, on Tuesday, I had an eight o'clock call with a guy, like people in Auckland and Sydney and Singapore. And then at 4 p.m. I'm on and there's people in L.A. and Arizona. And it's just like, I've never even been to half these places. <laughs> I, saw that, I saw that you were in Cape Town for 24 hours. 24 hours. Yeah. So we, 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 we grew in the pandemic. We started working remote. Right. And we, we, we loved it straight away. We we're like, this is definitely the route we're going to go down. We didn't have any of this in or out shit. We were like, we're going down this route. And then our advisor um, at the time had built a previously a big marketing function in, in South Africa. And he was like, if you're going to look at hiring in the UK and you're getting CVs in Derby, he's like, go and look at Durban, right? Because it's, you know, it's another English-speaking country. Time zone's brilliant. Cost is, is, is more advantageous. So we trialed a couple of people and they were incredible. So now, yeah, we've got 22, I think, people out there. Um, oh, wow. And the rest of our business is in, we've got a few in Portugal, we've got one in Amsterdam, one in Poland. I think we've only got about six people in the UK now. We totally yeah. flipped yeah. it all. Yeah, um, and uh, so what happened was we planned a, a quarterly event in, uh, well, a half year event in Cape Town. It was a five day event. I'm the one who said, yeah, let's do it. At the end of March, we're going to go and do it. Put the dates in. One of my team says, Sean, I can't, I can't do that Saturday, the 1st of July. I'm at a, at a family event. I was like, I said, I'm really sorry. I can't change it just for one person. I wish I'd have looked at my own fucking diary because I had to be at a wedding myself, my brother-in-law's wedding on that day. I was a groomsman. Oh, no. oh, um, like, it's my wife, bridesmaid. I'm the groomsman. I was like, oh, shit. So then um, everything had been booked. And so we get to... Um, I then announced I'm not going because I'm like, I can't miss the wedding. I'll just do it on Zoom and it'll be all right. And then I realized we've got, we've got videographer flying out from, from Portugal to film it. I'm the, the face of the company. I do all the work. If I'm there on Zoom in the background, it ain't going to work. So then we were like, well, if we fly out on the Tuesday night, get there at Wednesday lunch, 24 hours later, I go back to the airport, fly overnight Thursday. I'm back in the UK Friday. I'm definitely going to be back for the wedding. If I'd have waited an extra 24 hours, you don't know what's going to happen with the delays because all the flights to South Africa are through the night. So that's what we did. But the funny thing was, and this this is my lack of operational skills, right? So I tell I tell the team I'm not going, and um, <clears throat> about three weeks later, I decide I am going. So I'm like, well, I've got my flight out there, and I've got my flight home five days later, which I'm not going to use. So I'll just book a flight back. So I booked a second flight back. Twenty four hours later, boom, all good. Get to the air. Get literally get to London on the day we're going. It's about four o'clock. We've got to the airport for half six, seven. And I said to one of my team, Lauren, I said, have you got my flight details? She goes, what do you mean? I said, well, you got, <laughs> you got all my, my, my bookings for tonight. She goes, you booked it. I said, no, no, no. I booked the way home. You got the, she went, we canceled your flight. I said, what? She said, we canceled it. We got right. the, a little bit of a refund on the tax. 
So I'm four hours, I'm like two hours from the airport. I haven't got a flight to South Africa. <laughs> oh, no. So like, no. Then we went on and looked, and I'm not going to say the price. It was it was ridiculous to fly. <laughs> and it was a one-seat economy premium. It wasn't business class. Economy premium. Um, if you think about it, we'd lost 80% of the money on the flights there and back anyway. Then we had to book another flight home, and then we had to book another. For 24 hours, it was ridiculous. But, wow. You got there. I'm, yeah, I'm glad I did it. And you know what? Because you threw the night and you actually sleep and then you sleep. Ho- it wasn't actually that bad. It was great for oh, Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you with a really long-winded story. <laughs> <laughs> um, so good. back to you guys, right? Hope you don't go Dubai for 24 hours. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> but you've got Ross in Dubai. So then you've decided, what, what is the vision around that then? So what, what are we trying to achieve there? Well, I think that... Um... You know, we first let, let's see how Ross gets on is, is the, you know, the obvious thing, right? You know, let's try and get some revenue going in, you know, in the region. He's going to be supported by um, a couple of the guys here that will we'll, we'll get out there. Um, and that's great just because it's going to continue our culture and our, yeah, the way we yeah, do yeah. things. And what I think that's just to live. Yeah, I think, I think it's just that's just vital. Um, and, you know, his, his ambition is he wants to he wants to build a fully functioning business unit. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, and we're going to make that incentive for him where he's going to, you know, be rewarded off the back of that. Uh, so and, and push more into Asia Pack. And that's 100 percent what we want to do. Um, so that's kind of Ross kind of taken care of. And like I say he's here next week to meet some of the team and and our non-exec and stuff. So we're really excited about it. He's such a good guy. Um, just like I say. Thank, these things sometimes in business just fall into your laps a little bit. We have to work at it. Don't get me wrong, um, but yeah, that that's that's a, a great one. So so it's changed our plan slightly. I mean, with the US, we will we so we've, we've just gone through the process of getting an entity out there, and we need to do that because we do that whole Delaware thing. Did you do it in Delaware? We've done, we've done a Delaware thing. Yeah. Um, we won't end up in Delaware, but no, you know there there are a few customers that we're beginning to ask. Say you know. We can only work with partners that uh, have got U.S. entities, which doesn't make that much sense because most of them don't. But whatever. But also, we're now. Um, so last time around, we spoke about our contract book, which um, we launched in Europe. Um, and Dan and the contract team done a really good job. We've got a fairly healthy book of, you know, runners now. Um, and then we felt the time was right a couple of months ago to start the U.S. Um, so now we've got um, some some contractors running in the U.S. And that's obviously a bit of a minefield and. You know, we work with PGC and one or two other third parties initially. Um, but for that reason, we needed to have an entity as well, just to kind of grease the wheels. Um, so there's a few kind of structural things that are just in place now, which should hopefully, certainly on the contract side, as you rightly say, well, as we said last time, we want to get to a fairly even split, probably more contract revenue. 60-40 would be great someday. We know that's not going to you know, happen overnight. That's going to go a couple of years down the track, probably. But this is all part of it. Yeah, it's all part of it. I think a lot of it's patience, though, right, Sean? Is that, and everyone has a blueprint of like how to do it and not to do it. But we we thought that we we try and do as much as we can from Basingstoke before we have to really go for it. Because of course, mm, think about up. Ross. Yeah, I think you know Ross doesn't need all of that pressure straight away. P and L, four or five heads, growing a business, bringing no. in revenue. So like. Let's take our time with this, right? We've already exceeded our expectation of launching in the Middle East in year two. So the US piece is we're servicing that really well from Basingstoke. We've now launched our product solution around um, different areas, contracting, consulting, SOW. Um, We're doing that from Basingstoke still at the moment. And then when the time's right in the next probably six to eight months, 
we turn the tap on we've got good customers and we do it the right way and the per and then what we try to do is the person that will lead that just like with ross will have the best chance of making it a success rather than and i mean it's a nice way possible going on linkedin and saying we've opened up actually we're making a load of losses like it just it doesn't work like that and i don't that each their own but we just try and be patient and do it when it's right time for the individual that's going to do it and also when it's right for the business because you know, it was me and ben two years ago two and a bit years ago we was in that small little room like with nothing and we didn't bring staff on because we wanted to get we had a plan of investing that cash so it's not right or wrong but that's what we wanted to we want to get to i think i think it's a great way of yeah there's, there's so many ways of doing this but you your method is boots on the ground or pick people that good quality generate revenue bank cash reinvest it organically and 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 then you can get exciting investment then. then you can start making some decisions and like you say swallowing up people in in difficult markets when other people can't yeah um, it makes real real sense so if I, I'm, I'm sure i'd like you on again i think we could do this every year why not um <laughs> make it our annual podcast uh, if 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 i was going to ask you in a year then in terms of vision for podcast for not for podcast for people locations what will it look like and again i'm not it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong but i, I love to hear vision i think look i think we'll always stay true to basingstoke you know we've got why, why move? It's worked, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we've got some great local talent here. Um, build out Dubai, establish a US office, and and try and scale that um, responsibly. You know, that simple, really. Will we one day have more than one office in the US? Probably. Yeah, I think probably. We want to stay true to Project 24, and I believe that was to be to between 45 and 50 people uh, by the end of next year. Mm -hmm. I think we're largely on track for that. Yeah. Um, see how things go. So, so you know, I, I think the days of you know having an office in London, Manchester, uh, maybe one in Germany, you know, two or three in the in in the US with you know two or three people in each office. I think those days are gone a bit. You know, I don't get the overheads. You know, why is it is it really giving you that much of an advantage? Um, I don't know. Right. Uh, it might really work for some companies, but I don't think we'll go down the route of spreading ourselves that thin, in all honesty, when we feel we can. I mean, we've catered for the US, we cater for the West Coast perfectly fine for Basingstoke. We never get any pushback from customers ever. A message from our sponsor, Vincere, to announce their portal access. This is a quick win solution for agencies in need of a portal that their candidates and clients can use to access all the information they need through the job search. This is a no code solution. It's your one way ticket to attracting top candidates and getting clients to review everything in one place. So you can easily set up candidate and client and job portals within your Vincere account and you can configure it so it looks just like your recruitment agency brand and it feels like you've developed it yourself. In there, you can publish jobs, so they go straight out onto your website with one click. And you can offer candidates a place to look at those jobs and search for the next role. Your clients, you can give them a link and they get their own unique login. And so they can access everything. They can look at all the CVs against the job and all the progress and development 24-7. They can rate and review candidates and arrange interviews right there and then. This is all available now within Vincere. And if you're a RAG listener, you can always get an amazing deal with these guys. So. Click the link in the show notes and find out if you can use Vincere portals today. I think on that side as well, Sean, is that the next probably two, three years is still going to be quite painful for me and Ben because, like, like you mentioned earlier, we, 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 I suppose, 
are quite we're very cautious you know with the you know we want to ensure that the business cash position is is strong so that we can make take a risk you know i think that's so important for any business owner and the best advice we got really early on is that like everyone says cash is king but when you're growing a business it's so important because you're able to take those risks and if they pay off it doubles it doubles triples the opportunity with the company and if it doesn't then it's a lesson learned and you push yeah. on from it rather than i can't make payroll this month it's just an awful situation to be in so i think managing that correctly but with, with the offices you talk about where we want to be i think it's like emulate the growth that we've had in this 12 months and hopefully with the market in in recovery stage right you know we're, we're in that cycle at the moment and i think we are starting to see signs for sure that things are improving old customers of ours coming back to us now and and uh, even this week you know ben's had three or four of his old customers coming back to him asking for a so all the, all the positive signs objectives are good so i think emulate you know i think ross is ross is he's more aggressive than me right? he's an he's an animal absolute animal and he wants to build this. He really wants to build this and make a real name for the organization out in the Middle East and APAC. And, and we'll absolutely back back him to the moon. And exactly what we want to do in the US, again, safely. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, headcount wise, we'll, we'll be focused on getting that to, to, to 40 plus. You know, I think the quality bit is key. The 12 that we've added is better than maybe the 20 that we thought we were going to add last year, if that makes sense. And I think that was absolutely key. So, you know, quality driven. I think just to add to that, which we haven't mentioned yet, is since we last spoke, we've um, we've hired an L and D manager. Um, previously, we were uh, we had an external trainer that we knew from our kind of console yeah. partner days, and uh, a good good friend of ours he did a great job. But it was always going to be like interim. Yeah, and it's now it's going to be that period. Yeah. Yeah, and now we've we've hired Chelsea, who's had got some good good experience, and um, you know she she's here every day. Obviously, she's full time member of staff and done a great job and it's taken yeah. the pressure off Dan and I and you know that so the people who, who perhaps were a bit more junior have maybe six months experience and you talk about you know they come with bad habits and stuff well Chelsea's managed to weed them out and it's been absolutely you know, she's joined the ops team we spoke last time about us getting an ops team in pretty early yeah. been a brilliant hire for us you know helps us scale and takes the pressure off Dan and I she's added like you know even like performance management like that's been absolutely key so like everyone knows exactly where you want to be i'm sure like there's lots of companies out there two three years that, that their consultants don't really know what good looks like like on a monthly basis or quarterly basis yearly basis like you know myself and ben were typical founders that were just trying to build 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 and then grow 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 but she was for a minute and coming and said right where is this process where is your that went, what did, what does good look like for somebody and how do they know that? So she's like completely transformed the way that our staff now operate and look at it. And then also she's building out our um, LM, LMS training product. So like all of the staff internally that are globally based will be able to have all the training done remotely um, all online, which I think is wicked. It's, 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 it's something that I think we're heavily and we've always come from a background of heavily invested into L&D um, because we know the first year in recruitment is always the toughest whether you're transitioning to a new market or it's your first year in recruitment, it's hard. Yeah, for sure. What was the driver then behind the new brand, Edison Smart? Talk us through why um, you did that. So a few reasons. One, I think that um, we were becoming very well known for IoT, which is great. And that's what we wanted, you know, it's our niche. But IoT is part of a bigger kind of smart tech kind of movement. And within that, you've got AI and, and data. 
and we were doing more in AI and data. And so we wanted to have a brand that was reflecting us. Do we want to pigeonhole ourselves basically? And, and we thought, you know, smart tech, Edison smart is, um, reflected just a bit more of what we're about and what we're trying to do. The other, the other reason is we felt that because a lot of our, our businesses in, in the U S we felt as if we need to Americanize ourselves a bit more hmm. and search, you know, we should, we could be called Edison talent, but there's another Edison talent somewhere. I think, you hmm. know, talent acquisition, you know, very American, but seems to be adopted kind of globally now search. I don't think didn't seem quite right. We, we did a bit of, um, almost like kind of think tank type research. And it wasn't quite the brand that maybe we anticipated. Um, and in fact, our non-exec director, Paul, you know, he's got lots of experience helping agencies scale uh, internationally. And one, one of the things is, you know, do we want to trademark ourselves? And yeah, we do, we will. Um, and that's really difficult to do if you've got search in it because it's very generic. Do you know what? I, the one thing you've done as well is you, you're different. Like I don't know a single recruitment firm that sounds like that. I know I could name 50 search with it, with the search or partners or whatever on the end, they're all yeah. there. They're all waiting for yeah. you. consultancy, you know, um, you've done, you know, you've, you've done something different, which is great. It stands out. It, like I can imagine like if I'm recruiting and I've got all these different Edison smart is a name that I'm going to, I'm going to remember it, you know, she's, well, this brand. and this is yeah. brand. And this is what people, obviously we didn't work on this brand, by the way. I mean, we do a rebrand. I'm not going to take claim. People might listen and think, oh, it's Hoxo did it. We didn't. I, you should have asked me, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> but you've you've done it and, it, and I think it's wicked what you've done. Um, but whether you work with us or not, the point is brand is so important, and, and I don't think so, enough people listen. What I love about you guys, I think you're you're so much further than than most people. You're so much further in the way you think, the, the way you've deployed things. And again, brand is something I have to educate. I literally spend my day educating, whether it be personal brand or company branding, that mm. people, it's important. People are like, oh, fuck that, just get on the phone. Fuck that. Yeah, maybe in year one, just fuck that and get on the phone and you'll make a lot of money. But you're not going to build a business around that. You've got to build a business around an anchor, a, a name, a vision, a story. And then every individual in that business needs to have their own story that applies to that story. And then together, we're collectively, we're marketing and we're branding in every direction we need to around one common goal. Um, so... How do you feel now as a company, knowing that when you look at your site, when you look at the story that it, you know, it is fit for purpose? What what difference do you think that makes? I think the first year and a half or year and a bit, we were we wasn't a brand. We was a recruitment company, right? Yeah. We were, you know, what makes people us different? Billing. We were people, we were billing, you know, 12 people, whatever it was back then, billing. Now, the next two or three years, I think me and Ben were on the phone. We speak like every morning. Like, it's just like, like I think uh, my wife always says you speak to Ben more than you, more than you do me. So, um, but when we were coming in this morning, it's sometimes imposter syndrome sink, sinks in. You think, oh my God, this is actually a real business now. And I think that's probably since we've done the rebrand, when we talk to our clients now, it just feels big company mentality, which we've always been obsessed about. Like that first yeah. pinchers moment that actually touch wood, a lot of work to do and keeping our feet firmly on the ground. But it feels like this is actually going somewhere now. And um, that I think is the first time we've probably had a little look back and think the brand, everything just makes sense. Whereas before it was a not disjointed, but just a little bit out. And we just needed that sense check to just get it all working. 
And now we get onto client calls and they they seem to really embrace what we're saying and it just makes sense. Um, and I think that was the, was the key part of what we wanted that rebrand to represent to the market and to what we're at and, and also to other companies that it's okay. You know, the first idea might not always be the best, but you can go out and, and you know, improve your vision and improve your strategy and do it effectively. Think about how much it touches though. Like if you think about it, like you're on the phone to a client or you, even when you're ringing someone for the first time and they're, they're going to check you out, they're going to search, right? And they're going to look at your LinkedIn and they're going to click on your website. And that impact, that has a, if you're trying to position yourself as a, as a, as a you know, a top level premium brand that is going to transform their business internationally and you look like you've written your website on Wix, you, you're not you're not making the right first impression. Yeah. Then you've yeah. also got the people come in. Like you've just literally brought in someone. Like luckily you knew this guy Ross. But you've got an unbelievable hire. You've brought in twelve people that have got experience. They're buying into the brand. They're they're looking at you online. They're making decisions. Do is this the sort of organization I want to work with? And again, if your website and your story isn't evident and you just look like a load of people in an office in black and white pictures, you know, making money. Yeah, it it's not compelling in 2023. It's not. And what you guys are doing, I think, is is all the right things. Um, guys, we're almost out of time. Um, if anyone's listening who really, really, really is wanting to emulate you guys, I don't want to put you on the spot, but like, could you give us three things? Three things that in the last two and a, two a bit years, you believe have been the most important to get to where you are like the three things three Don't fundamental rules like rules almost that people need to consider like keep it simple to finish off. i'll let ben go first I, <laughs> you know what I, I, i'm going to say two things um what one is dan and i've been quite fortunate that obviously we worked together for 10 years in a at console partners previously and you know the, our bosses there were, were you know good good um Good recruiters, good managers. They they had a plan. One thing they all spoke about was plan and execute, plan and execute, plan and execute. And that could be a four week plan. That could be a five year plan, right? And I think, you know, I we took that 100. percent I've taken that. And I think Dan and I are, are very good at planning and executing it, planning and executing it over and over again. And I think they've got to be re they've got to be realistic, of course. But I think always having that, you know, small, some of the small kind of steps, bite size, but they all add up to obviously the macro. I, I think we've really taken, that's kind of almost like that big company mentality that Dan spoke about. I'd say the other thing is Dan and I, you know, the, the old, you know, cliche of being the hardest working person in the room. We might be, we might not be, um, but we are visually there. We are visually there. Dan and I are normally the first people in the office. Or, or maybe one or two might come in sight before us. We're always pretty much working every evening. And, and that's because we, we, we don't expect the others to do it, but you know, we've got other you know, stuff to do as well, operational stuff. And we've had feedback ad hoc from time to time from the staff, which is they know we're always here, but in a good way, you know, from a kind of support mechanism and leading from the front. And I think that's been really important. We, I know other people that have got agencies similar size to us, maybe a bit bigger, maybe a bit smaller. And they they're not in the office every day. They are doing... you know, on taking that extra holiday or working from home two days a week, three days a week on the golf course, whatever it might be. And we haven't allowed us to slip. We could do that, but we haven't slipped into that. And I think 
that resonates with the team, probably subconsciously. Uh, and, and that's that's been a, a good thing. I think again on that, Sean, it's all it's nothing wrong with that, right? It's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But it's what culture are you trying to breed? And like, you know, and I think it's very easy for outsiders that have never run a business to judge, right? You know, whether in or out of the business, because as a business owner, it is tough, it's relentless, it's constantly looking at yourself. Am I doing the right things? Am I doing the right things by my staff and stuff? So but it's about the culture that you want to breathe, right? And you asked about the first three, the three things, and, and Ben was absolutely spot on with those. But you know, to, to build on that is consistency every single day like as a as a leader everything that you're doing needs to be consistent right and um that's absolutely like the number one i think i'd say to anyone and and, and i appreciate you saying that people don't emulate us i don't know we're not it's, it's really nice but we're just keeping in our own lane and doing that but relentlessly looking to improve like we are obsessed myself and ben at just looking at ways that we can improve on every aspect of the business we are far from perfect we're not positioning ourselves as perfect and that our relationships can always get better with our customers we know that um and then the last one is like talk about culture is never settling like it's very there's my bottle just going flying there as i was saying that last bit um we, we have a culture here that like it you just never settle in like yeah you know it's brilliant to celebrate success really important but also is where do you want to get to next where as a business and i, th I hope and I, and I do strongly believe that i think the staff will that i'm sure they've got great things and bad things like everything but the thing that they probably hold on to the most is that these guys will always look at just never settling what's the next thing that we need to do as a company and we've got the gas right we've only been doing it two years i'm sure when we get to 10 to 12 years it might be a slightly different approach but i think we need to really hold on to that and just keep pushing this business forward safely but those one percent like every single day of like looking yeah. improved amazing i mean i can't believe we're nearly seven years in so we started in 2017 yeah and we said we had like a 10-year vision of where we wanted to be and Fucking hell, we're two thirds of the way there in time. I'm like, wow, nice. it does go, it goes quick, mate. That goes very quick. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think those, I'd say those three things then. So to recap, is is have a plan and execute, and consistently reevaluate your plan and keep executing on the plan. Yeah, take take a bit of a risk. Um, the second one, remind me. This, the second one was be be present, be yeah. be lead from the front and be present. Which again, I think I would say the same about me and Amir in our business. You know. We're not in an office, but we're, we're always there. We're always in. Like, I've not had a sick day since I started the business. It's not going to happen unless I'm dying. No. I'm in. Yeah. Set the right tone. And then number three is be con drive consistency when you are there in all things, right? Um, one thing you did mention, which I, I wish I'd have asked before, and I will just wrap up with a little bit about, if, we, if you're happy to just do an extra few minutes, is the, 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 the operational working arrangements. So, you know, one of the big things, obviously, I, I did a post about this a couple of weeks ago. To, if we did a three-year map of the industry, my my interpretation is 2020, we had to go home. Everyone, Most people doubted whether their teams would work at home. They were ple pleasantly surprised, yeah? And the industry was in a boom time. So they were happy, roles came in, bang. Then we go back to the office and there's a hybrid method because everyone wants flexibility. And also the market's still fucking good. So people are still performing in this hybrid method. Then the market shifted and it's been like bang, 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 bang. Companies going, get back to an office, get back to the office, get back to the office. And they fought tooth and nail and they've lost good people. Some people are not going to go back. Some people want to be in. It's a real, I think it's a real difficult spot people are in now because you're trying mm. to re-engineer things you've actually built for two and a half years. But I do get you can't train BD and things if 
it's very hard with all your seniors at home and your juniors in an office. So how have you guys done it? And how do you do it? And then we'll wrap up and I'll let you go. Well, I think for us, Sean, just a short answer, like we were really lucky because we were we were we started the business up during COVID. And then when we scaled the business, COVID wasn't there. So like from day dot, everyone's been in the office. Like it's yeah. not been like we've been, we've been really lucky, like four four days and then one from home. Um, days at home. Friday. Uh, Fridays, Fridays at home. And that works for me and Ben. Like we've always yeah. built this business around what works for me and Ben. We wouldn't want our staff yeah. not doing that we don't want to do. So like Fridays yeah. works really well for us. So, um, but that point is we, we didn't have to go through that challenge. Um, but from that, but also as well is you talk about the BD element. Well, we didn't know any different again, because that's what we had to do to get this business off the ground. So it's like an element. And I, and I like to we speak to a lot of business owners, lots of us have our friends. And they are going through challenging periods just to try and get some of their staff back three days a week, let alone yeah. four or five days a week, right? And particularly so, in, in, in London, I mean, I've got some good good friends that have got agencies in London and they've really struggled to get their staff back in. You know, if they've got a fairly sizable commute, you know, expensive commute, it's been really difficult to get people back in. The one thing I would add to what Dan said is, we it, it does suit us working from home on a friday because we've both got young families and you know we want to that's like the day that i'll do the school run and i'll pick up the kids you know at three o'clock as well and if you're home earlier on a friday evening then you know great we'll get we always get a dominoes on a friday night you know and all that kind of good stuff right um and dan's got two little ones too so um that worked for us but also all the other agencies we're competing with and we're trying to hire people, most of them, the majority of them were, if they might still be, offering some kind of hybrid. And, you know, that was a, um, an, a benefit, if you like, an attraction for a lot of staff. So we couldn't be competitive to bring in good recruiters if we didn't offer some kind of hybrid or work from home. Now, one day might not be that much, but it's going to be better than nothing. And we have had a few challenges here. We've had a couple of staff who've been quite vocal about wanting to work remotely. And we were kind of rebuffed that because we just felt as if we're not, we, we're too young and we need to build this culture. We've got too many junior people that need to be here every day and be like a sponge. So, but we're past that now. We, we don't get those requests at all. And I think that's a reflection of the market. You see it all over LinkedIn. Even the big tech companies are bringing their staff back to the office. Back, yeah. um, but, we've, and, we've, we've, but we've also turned people away short, really good recruiters, which they want like two days a week. And it's like, that's that tough decisions where, the consistency bit coming back to it of like well if we do it for this person then that's not fair on the staff and then it becomes and then you've got to justify it and then that's the worst position to be in as a leader so we'd rather be a tough decision and say sorry but it doesn't work for us keep in touch and yeah. keep the culture and keep everyone motivated because it's that one decision that could throw out everything just don't can you hear i can't can hear you Sorry, I was on. I'd put mute yeah. on because someone's next door messing with the garden. <laughs> you can hear that. I'll mute myself and I forgot to unmute. Um, I said we did the same as you, but the opposite of you, if you like. But we stuck to one way. So we said it's remote. Like we have WeWork licenses internationally that you can use, and that's it. But there is no office. There's never going to be an office. We're not doing it. And it has again driven people to leave. A few people we've said no to because they want to be in it. Like, no, we're, but we're not going to do it because it works for us and it's what we believe and it's what we want to do. Um, and I think that is the crucial thing. Whatever the hell you want to do, it doesn't matter whichever way you slice and dice your business methodology. But if you can stick to one thing and own it, I think you'll get through it. I think it's when you constantly chop and change. You yeah. And that is yeah. where most of the sector, again, are in. And that is, again, why I think you're in the position you're in in two and a half years that other people aren't. So, guys, 
thank you so much for the second time. What an episode. Um, so much value, so many really clear, actionable things that you've done that others can learn from. Um, I, I'm sure you, I said the same last time. If anyone did want to reach out and ask questions, you'd be open to just letting them pick your brains. Absolutely. You know, yeah, together, together, this sector's stronger, right? It's why that's why I do what I do. Yeah. I, I believe in bringing us all and learning from each other. Um, we will get you back on. I'd love to get. You, let's do it again next August. Next August. <laughs> we'll see. We'll yeah. see how the next year goes, Sean. First, we'll see. Do you know what? Well, that would well, be. You know what? That that would be a reason to do it. If if you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. we not yeah. only interview people in the on the up. We interview people in all moments because growth is is different directions, is different emotions, yeah. and. You know, ultimately, you'll get where you you'll get to where you want to be. There's no doubt. But let's let's keep people abreast of the journey, okay? Yeah, I appreciate, it. I appreciate your time, Sean. Thanks very yeah, much. Yeah, appreciate it, Sean. Thank you so much. Thank you as always for listening to today's show. I truly hope that you got value from it. Honestly, it's the only reason I take time every week to ensure that my audience, you guys, future and existing recruitment owners, you're learning from each other to make this industry that I love so much stronger. And today's episode is brought to you by my business, Hoxo. I'm the CEO and founder, and we're on a mission to help brand recruitment agencies and their people better. I want to help people have the tools to stand out in the most competitive markets in the world. We're currently working with over 350 recruitment agencies and 5,000 of their consultants right now, helping them to build their personal brands to consistently win more business attract talent and just become that go-to recruiter in the market. Now we do have a huge coaching program, but a lot of people don't know, we also manage the brands of a lot of founders and we can do the rebrand of that company organizational piece as well. So if your recruitment agency either needs help to look and sound exactly how you want it to, or your leadership and consultant level need to get out there and drive more traffic back to that website, to the business and start using LinkedIn to generate more revenue, then you should definitely be reaching out to us. If that sounds of interest, please do visit www.hoxomedia.com or drop me, Sean, a personal message on LinkedIn. I love hearing from RAG listeners. I would love to talk to you. Uh, look forward to it. So I'll see you again next week with another episode. Catch you soon.